Welcome to the Gut Podcast on the paper, Adipose Tissue Derived Bacteria are Associated with Inflammation in Obesity and Type 2 Diabetes, published in Paper Copy in Gut in October 2020. My name is Dr. Philip Smith, Digital and Education Editor of Gut and Consultant Gastroenterologist at the Royal Liverpool Hospital, Liverpool, United Kingdom. And I extend a very warm welcome to Dr. Rima Chakaroon, who's a clinical scientist, resident physician at University Hospital Leipzig, Germany, specializing in endocrinology and metabolic disease, and a postdoctoral researcher and clinical investigator working on microbiome signatures in obesity in the gut and beyond. Dr. Chakaroon is the first author in this excellent paper. Dr. Shakarun, thank you so much for joining me today to do this podcast. I know it's a very difficult time in the world and you've had a very busy day, so thank you very much for joining me and congratulations on your excellent paper. Firstly, could I ask you to explain the background to your study and why researching this area is important? Yes, um, thank you, uh, Philip, so much for, for having me today and for, having, uh, for giving us the opportunity to, to talk about uh, the paper and the work that we've uh, published recently in GUT. So um, about the background, so in the last uh, decades, we've come to understand that metabolic disease and obesity is a little bit more than just the sum of single factors like overweight and high blood pressure. So in, in several studies, um, we've been able to see that there's increased inflammation with increasing metabolic burden, and that culminates in cardiovascular events. And there have been even really been really impressive studies showing that tackling inflammation directly can reduce these cardiovascular events. So as an example, the Canto study um, a couple of years ago was uh, impressive in showing that directly. So while the inflammation is there, it is subclinical. So it doesn't really manifest itself as an acute infection would. And when we look at the interplay between metabolic active tissues and systemic inflammation, there are converging lines of evidence showing that local inflammation in adipose tissue, which is one of the biggest players in metabolism, contributes directly to, um, to the metabolic disease and to type 2 diabetes. So while genetics can not really fully explain the emergence and, and the heterogeneity in type 2 diabetes and obesity and the metabolic disease progression, we've turned to environmental factors to find other culprits, right? So considering that the gut constitutes the largest interface between our inner milieu and our environment because of the food and the, the medication that we ingest all the time, um, everything contributing to gut health has come under scrutiny. So this includes the gut microbiome, so the resident bacteria and other microorganisms uh, inhabiting the gut, as well as the gut barrier itself. So postulated is that a dysfunction of this gut barrier could modulate the effect of whatever we ingest and whatever is on the barrier surface. So in this aspect, several studies have shown a connection between increased gut permeability and type 2 diabetes as well as obesity going back as early as the 1950s. And later on, studies in humans showed that circulating bacterial DNA quantities and profiles are directly associated with the advent of type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease. And these pioneering studies coined the, the expression of metabolic endotoxemia. 
Um, so it was also shown that high-fat diet in mice, which is kind of like the, our Western, Western diet, so to speak, it, uh, that it leads to increased intestinal permeability and to gut inflammation, as well as translocation of bacteria into the circulation, but also in adipose tissue directly, while inducing obesity and insulin resistance. The widely observed translocation of the bacteria from the colon due to increased permeability in subjects with liver cirrhosis, for example, uh, which leads to spontaneous bacterial peritonitis and systemic inflammation, also encouraged us to entertain the possibility that indeed, even if underwhelming, increased bacterial translocation into metabolically active tissues such as adipose tissue can lead over time to a subclinical inflammation. Um, locally as well as uh, systemically to organ dysfunction and to overall metabolic disease. But there were several studies we had, uh, or several issues, so to speak, we had to overcome to test this hypothesis pertaining to the fact that very low amounts of bacterial DNA are expected in large amounts of human DNA. So it made it hard to pick those signals out. And the problem of contamination during prelevement and experimental work was also an issue. So a lot of primer testing and experimental optimization had to go into the work first, a lot of which was done by Lucas Massier, who is also a co-author on the paper. But the availability of the targeted bacterial or prokaryotic gene sequencing, so 16S sequencing, helped us target bacterial sequences in large amount of human DNA. And because people also tend to believe what they see more than what they read, we aimed at uh, visualizing the bacteria in adipose tissue sections. So up until then, there were no similar efforts for this kind of comprehensive work, integrating all of these components, and that was even less true for human adipose tissue. This was our pretty much our biggest motivation to investigate whether bacterial DNA is really present in different um, adipose tissue depots of subjects with obesity, and if the amount of bacterial DNA and its composition are linked to local and systemic inflammation, as well as metabolism. Thank you. That's very clear. Um, could you explain to our listeners what are the new findings your, your study has found? So I think before we move on directly to the results, it is important again to stress or to mention some of the particularities in the work. So there, there was groundbreaking works that pioneered the concept of the bacterial translocation in metabolic disease and that showed that type 2 diabetes incidence is preceded by increased bacterial gene count in the blood, as I explained earlier. Um, whether bacterial translocation to extraintestinal tissues is a true phenomenon or is a result of Spurious data was still an, an open issue. So the reason for that being um, that it's notoriously hard to pick apart biologically relevant bacterial DNA from environmental contaminants. And because this is so controversial, it was important for us to make sure that whatever results we report were as convincing as possible in the sense that we wanted to control for contamination that comes with experimental work with organic materials. And we have also thought, thought that if possible, um, showing the bacteria in adipose tissue samples would be the ultimate proof for the existence of, of these vital bacteria in adipose tissue in contrast to just showing bacterial DNA. Um, so what we did is we ran negative controls alongside each experimental step and made sure to work as aseptically as possible. And at the end, we identified contaminant taxa and subtracted those from the data set before following up with further experimental analyses and, and um, uh, experimental work and analyses. So, 
to um, visualize the bacteria, the bacteria, we optimized the card search approach for adipose tissue sections with the help of our collaborator, Dr. Nicolina Moussad, and we indeed were able to observe live bacteria. So to sum up the most relevant results of, of our study um, in a little bit more detail um, for the interested listener, we first were able to detect bacterial DNA via 16S um, sequencing of the V4, V5 region in the studied adipose tissue depot, and those were visceral, subcutaneous, mesenteric, uh, adipose tissue, as well as the blood, which harbored the largest quantity of bacterial DNA. And when taking E. coli genome as a reference, we could calculate that according to the measured bacterial quantity, around 0.7% of the cells in adipose tissue were of bacterial origin. And we further showed that this bacterial DNA doesn't emanate only from bacterial fragments, but indeed adipose tissue contains vital bacteria via cartfish by using general eubacterial single-strand DNA probes. Those bind to bacterial rRNA, um, while we were also able to observe more bacterial DNA unrelated to living bacteria with other staining methods such as DAPI. And we also found that bacterial quantity in adipose tissue of subjects with type 2 diabetes was associated with inflammatory markers, such as the expression of TNF-alpha in subcutaneous adipose tissue, interleukin-1-beta in mesenteric adipose tissue, and macrophage infiltration in mental adipose tissue. So we could show associations of bacterial quantity with inflammation in an adipose tissue-specific manner. So in all of the three adipose tissues, we uh, found that bacterial load, inflammatory markers like uh, the macrophages, uh, TNF-alpha and interleukin expression, um, as well as marker of insulin resistance, such as HOMA-AR, uh, represented parameters that were significantly associated with the community composition of the bacterial DNA that we, that we found, that we observed um, when we looked at the beta-diversity. So... When we looked at the bacterial composition, on the other hand, we found that most bacteria belong to firmicutes and proteobacteria, which are widely known from the gut microbiome, and we found um, uh, phyla that were um, present in all adipose tissues, such as actinobacteria and pathetiobacteria, whereas uh, chloroflexi, for example, was only observed in the blood. And there were observable differences on genus level in the tissues with most differences found between subcutaneous adipose tissue in the blood, for example, pertaining to this tissue-specific enrichment of bacteria. And although we saw tissue-specific differences, uh, subject with type 2 diabetes displayed overlapping depletion of specific of specific taxa in several adipose tissue and the blood such as uh, lactococcus and blood and subcutaneous adipose tissue. And finally, to check whether these minuscule amounts of bacterial DNA that we see in adipose tissue are relevant at all um, and are partly responsible for the local inflammation we report, we treated immortalized subcutaneous adipocytes with very, very, very small amounts of bacterial DNA. So we used similar amounts of, as the amounts that we quantified um, which uh, was approximately of one bacterial um, cell per 100 adipocytes, and could show that the treatment with these super small bacterial um, DNA quantities led to a dose-dependent increase of interleukin-6 and TNF-alpha, interleukin-1-beta, as well as um, NF-kappa-B expression, and very high concentrations of um, of bacterial DNA, on the other hand, impair the expression of PPR gamma and adipokines such as adiponectin and, and leptin. So it pretty much disrupted um, the adipocyte function. 
Um, so here we could show directly that cell-free bacterial DNA most likely derived from bacterial translocation from other niches, and we're thinking more like the gut or the mouth, um, still had an impact on local inflammation as far as in adipose tissue and supported that bacterially caused local inflammation is a possible underlying pathway for the link between increased intestinal permeability, adipose tissue, and systemic inflammation we see in obesity and insulin resistance. Thank you. That's very clear and very interesting. Um, how could you see your study uh, impact on clinical uh, practice in the foreseeable future? So almost everyone you will ask knows that adipose tissue is a metabolically active tissue, and almost everyone working in this field will testify to the contribution of local phenomena in adipose tissue to overall health. So to understand the role of bacteria and bacterial DNA in metabolically active tissues is to also come closer to understanding how these tissues impact systemic host health. And for that, we will need to take a holistic approach with immunometabolism-based methods to find ways by which bacteria get to adipose tissue, or other tissues for that matter, and by which these same bacteria impact local and systemic metabolism subsequently. So another interesting point would also be to understand whether differences in bacterial translocation contribute to the large variance in obesity-related pathologies and whether normoglycemic subjects with morbid obesity, and this is something that we see and call a healthy obesity, um, if these uh, subjects really harbor protective communities um, that alleviate or that delay the onset of clinical type 2 diabetes, that would um, inform, for example, probiotic or prebiotic studies. Um, so this this bacterial translocation can also have consequences pertaining to completely other diseases, which could be related to the increased susceptibility to bacterial translocation overall in type 2 diabetes, so susceptibility to infection, for example. Um, we believe that this bacterial translocation could be, for example, um, uh, responsible for modifying and amplifying the response to specific stimuli, such as infection, in uh, people with type 2 diabetes, and this is something that we generally see in the clinic, that uh, people with diabetes are more likely to have infections and more likely to get treated with antibiotics. So they seem to be at least at risk for increased um, infections and whether this uh, selective uh, bacterial translocation uh, in the gut or somewhere else is related to it is something to be further um, explored. And so the understanding also a specific bacterial contribution to, to the local and the systemic metabolic status could lead in general to novel treatments based on the tissue-specific delivery, for example, of uh, specific bacterial or protective bacterial components. Um, it has been done, for example, for pasteurized bacteria, such as Acromantia musinifida. But um, we can also tackle upstream targets linked to increased bacteria or enrichment of specific bacteria or even further downstream targets related to the local host response to the bacteria, such as targeted anti-inflammatory therapies. But at this point, I think it would be um, very daring to, uh, to pretend that there is a direct treatment or that we need to treat bacteria in adipose tissue. I, I don't think that we're um, this far yet. Thank you. That's very clear. Um, I wondered whether um, how the study may impact on research priorities in the future. Could you could you comment on that? Yeah. So um, this work is the first where it was possible to visualize bacteria and adipose tissue and where contaminant-aware approaches on an experimental scale were paired with the bioinformatic decontamination techniques. 
Um, that being said, there are still several advances that could benefit this area of research in order to move beyond simple association and into translation. So we control for contaminants as much as possible, and bacteria and adipose in human tissue are presumably much more scarce than other low bacterial biomass environments, so it would be helpful um, to even have more refined decontamination packages or methods and software um, in the future. There is also a need to move beyond the genus classification, which is tricky when, you, when you're working with 16S data. So because of how much more human DNA is available in comparison to bacterial DNA, shotgun sequencing to cover more bacterial genetic material would require high depth and is therefore super costly. But um, it is, so that would be necessary in, in, uh, in order to inform new therapeutic alternative if we are talking about translation whether it is targeted delivery of bacteria or the depletion of other bacteria or uh, the use of bacterial products, it would really help to be as specific as possible. And one of our uh, most compelling findings was that mesenteric adipose tissue harbored the highest bacterial quantity and diversity among tested adipose tissue. So it will be relevant to understand the importance of tissue specificity to overall host health. Um, as with other research, new findings um, inadvertently lead to new questions, right? So if you want to do something about these bacteria, we would need to know whether the bacteria come, where they come from and what they are doing and to understand whether they are in a dormant state or active and whether they lead to local host response independent or dependent of their activation state. So it will also be important to understand how host defense mechanism, including key immune factors such as antimicrobial Microbial peptides also impact the bacterial translocation and whether metabolic impairments such as hyperglycemia can also trigger or compromise immune responses in the body. This in turn would probably further aggravate bacterial translocation and whatever direct or indirect consequences it might have. Um, so any implicit question, so another implicit question would be to understand whether translocation uh, of live bacteria or bacterial components um, promote or respond to metabolic impairment in the host, or if this is a two-way street. So to sum up, I think this work will motivate riskier research into this controversial area because it is still considered controversial, um, but it will be important um, to answer any question we have because many open questions are still in dire need of being addressed, and this can only be done robustly in independent groups and in an inter- and multidisciplinary matter. Thank you, uh, Dr. Shakarun. It's certainly a very interesting area, and um, we really appreciate you doing this podcast today. Congratulations once again on your fantastic paper being published in GUT. Um, hopefully our listeners have enjoyed that, and they'll be able to access your paper underneath this podcast when it's available online. Thank you once again, and thanks for listening. Thank you.